You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Um, our theme music is a clip of Summer Nights by the Eric Jones Trio. It's provided by our friend Mark Chesanel, who plays with the Eric Jones Trio every Thursday and Sunday at Good Times Jazz Bar downtown. Hey everyone, welcome to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey, and I have the pleasure of sitting with Fibers artist Cameron Sharon. Welcome, Cameron. Hello, thank you for having me. Of course, so glad to have you. <laughs> I'm going to read a little bit from your website. Um, the way you describe your work is stitching and sewing beads into both found and original photos, canvas, and everything else. That's All materials. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I just want to start off a bit. You, um, I like to start on how people arrived in Savannah. So you moved here from, do I pronounce it? Okoe? Okoe. Yeah. Okoe, yeah. Florida right. um, for SCAD in 2012, around then? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And your degree is in fibers. I'm so curious about this. When you came here, did you know that fibers was a degree? Is that what you came for? Or did you discover that at some point? Yeah. So I, I did know that. I did um, SCAD's uh, week-long summer program. So they do like the Rising Star program that's for college credit. But then they just do a week, which I think is really a good way as a high school student to sort of think about college and experience that so yeah yeah, I took um I took a fibers class with an MFA student actually taught it Trish uh Cookson or Trisha Cookson okay and yeah from there I just we felt it a little bit and I just felt that it was so multifaceted and I think really she kind of got me into it I mean she was you know a mother who decided to go back to school and what she was doing was so interesting so yeah was she like multi-meet not multimedia kind of mixed media as well yeah yeah she I don't know I think it was just her her presence really I wonder if I didn't have her as a teacher if I if I would have wanted to do that but yeah she was just so approachable and there was so much freedom and so yeah I came to SCAD in the fall I think of 2013 knowing that's fibers was what I wanted to do you know I think the fibers major is just so fascinating because I I mean I didn't go to a super specifically artistic high school, so I would not have ever been aware that that right. was a thing. And I once, in my years at SCAD, heard the statistic that fibers graduate, it's like the highest percentage of people working in their field, which oh. is fascinating. Oh, wow. So I always wonder when people come here, like if they already have heard of fibers or if they just discover it while they're here. Like when you were in high school, were you more into painting? Is that the art that you were imagining you'd go to art school for? I think so. I think I did go to an arts high school and it was more... I don't want to say traditional media, but yeah, it was like 2D and 3D, and the 3D was ceramic. So I really, I only knew about fibers, like you're saying, from coming to SCAD. I feel like it's pretty niche. Yeah. So yeah, that I mean, just in that week, it sounds like a little bit of time, but I feel like doors were opened for me as terms of like how you think about artwork as a you know 15 year old kid. Possibility. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I love so within the fibers major, is it almost like there's sort of two tracks that you take, like the way that you've gone, where it's fine art, and then the other track where it's more like working in sort of the industry like surface design and working on carpets and wallpaper and things like that yeah so those are definitely some big I think like the main branch off but really it's so it's so varied and I think that's the awesome part of it I mean there's fibers grads that have you know uh like stationary lines there's okay. ones that are working in the industry doing print and pattern for like Abercrombie and stuff like that so it's really it's just I mean anything really is fibers and I feel like that's the way they kind of 
painted it to us really like if you can qualify it as fibers and your artist statement then it is yeah. you know and I think the breadth of it is is really a beautiful thing and I, I'm sure during your major you had classes where you were like just literally weaving and working with yes. yarn and things like that yeah. it's so traditional I love it it's so varied it, it really is and I think learning the basics is essential to figuring out how you can play really yeah. you know and yeah there's I mean we had people that were weaving you know on a loom traditionally with fishing line in their own hair and it, it's oh my just gosh. it's fascinating so it's it really, really cool like contemporary art but using these incredibly traditional yeah equipment yeah exactly yeah. and processes yeah did you so your current work is um i guess maybe it always incorporates a photo but you know you do on other materials and then you you're like hand beading and you're putting in paint and you're putting you're putting in like plastic bags and it's very yeah. collage how did you discover this realm while you were in scad or did that come later yeah so i think really when my work took a, a turn I guess was taking the beating for fibers course with Sam Norgard who is a wonderful person and just fascinating artist um, so yeah I think beadwork is really what opened the doors and then she she told me I, I remember we had the first project in beading is a map you have to bead a map I mean, oh my gosh. and that's open so like however you perceive that okay and I remember asking her because we were using for the most part to learn the stitches um, a substrate to beat into almost like if you can imagine like a million dryer sheets pressed together like a interfacing kind of okay so that's so just, like like a finish that you could pierce it right but needle. but sturdy to where like it could handle the weight of beads because beadwork gets kind of kind of heavy it gets heavy after yeah, if, yeah how dense it is but so we got this map project and I remember asking if I could bead into a canvas instead of the substrate that we were kind of working on and she was like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why you can't. Yeah, you could definitely pierce it. And she and I have stayed in touch since, you know, graduating and everything. And she's like, I always saw you as a painter with beads. Oh. I always felt like you were painting with beads. And I feel like I never really thought about it. But thinking about it now, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's definitely, I feel that I apply beads in a way to, like, immediately create texture. Yes. To paint, but with this alternative material. Yeah, like yeah. the way painters might, you know, you can use your paint and, like, add substrate too to make it thicker or harder right, make right. it stand up and more three three dimensional yeah but instead with beads you just take like a little one and a massive one and immediately you created oh, yeah. that texture yeah. that like a ton of like gel matte medium would that's true you know did you so you just had a feeling like for that project you were like I just want to do canvas instead it yeah. just came to you yeah and I feel like that's ever since then yeah that, that was the game changer <laughs> do you think it seemed to you that that would make your piece end up more of like a like a piece of fine art like a thing that you could hang on the wall I guess, I don't know if I was really thinking about that. I think it, yeah, maybe in the way that it's like a ready-made object. Yeah, and I guess, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you think of, you know, a canvas, then you could frame your canvas and hang right. it up. So yeah, it's, it's just a finished piece. piece already, essentially. Yeah. You know? I love what you said just now about, like, having some really tiny beads and then having some really big beads that right. are three-dimensional. Right. Because I, I don't even think of that as you were talking about beading, and I've even seen your work. But I'm thinking of, like, tiny, tiny, tiny beads. Right, right, but, yeah, right. sometimes they're enormous, like sometimes. a marble. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that, the contrast and shape <laughs> and and like texture I mean like some beads are faceted some are shiny some are matte you know yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you're like you're like a jewelry artist you must have so many you must be such a bead hoarder you must oh, have like sure. bins yeah. and bins of beads <laughs> yeah. there's a shopping cart in my studio that was behind our house for a long time um that's yeah just buckets and buckets of beads and old costume jewelry and yeah your little cart you can push around yeah exactly yeah it's just yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so you when you graduated SCAD it was uh 2016 is that mm -hmm. right and then 
What did you, as you were getting close to graduation, what were you imagining that your life was going to be once you were done with school? I mean, to be perfectly honest. There's no honest, wrong answer. Yeah. Yeah, no, whatever. <laughs> yeah, to be totally honest, I think I, I was pretty scared because, like you're saying, it felt at the time that there were these two major tracks. There were, you know, going into the industry, doing print and pattern, which was never... I don't want to say something I like. It's just not how my brain works. I don't... Right. And you didn't take a ton of classes to focus right, on that. Right, right, because I didn't enjoy it. So it felt like I had taken this, you know, weird alternative scenic route versus the main path, and I didn't know where that was going to take me or how financially viable that was going to be. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah. I was just terrified. You'd chosen, you'd chosen the fine art arm. And right. And we're like, oh, God. Right. I chose the fine art arm. Essentially, yeah. And I think really having been removed from college and being graduated for a long time, I think it's it's a tougher route, I think. But it's totally viable. And I think you just have to work a little bit more. It's not as consistent as, you know, working at a big print and pattern company right, you know job. yeah just it takes some years to build it up it does you've done it and and some push and some you know cold calls a lot of like hey would you like to collaborate you know and a lot of no yeah. answers but you've i had mean some cool yeah we'll talk about it. you had some really cool collabs <laughs> um so after so after graduation right. you and i met because we both worked at shop scat for that's a while. correct um and you, at the time, you, I remember that you were working there full time. So right. So you were trying to work on your art on the side, but that's right. super hard. And everybody knows what that's yeah. like to have a full time job and then be chipping away at it on the side. Was there, was that getting easier for you over time or did it take the fact that you then got furloughed during COVID to really be able to do it? Yeah, I, th- I think that's what it took. I think also, even though it was two years after graduation that I started working for SCAD, I think it was still too fresh. Like, I feel like I needed, you know, a post-graduation break. A little break. Yeah, so it really was. It was being furloughed and, and um, yeah, just having that abundance of time. I feel like what we thought was going to be a week turned into Oof, yeah. months. The beginning, <laughs> the beginning part was two weeks to flatten the curve. Right, right, right. right. And we were like, oh, that's a nice little vacation that, you know, I maybe didn't save up time <laughs> for anyways. Okay, so somewhere but, around summer 2020, you were home yeah. and you were like, let's you time. Let's do it. Yeah, and it actually, it started with um, that big piece. I feel like you've maybe seen it in person before and it's it reads, um, I used the knife of my brother to steal skin from my sister. And it's all, so it's letters on that interfacing material that I painted and cut out and then hand beaded each letter and then stitched wow. them onto the canvas to read that sentence. That was like, it was like a magnum opus. It took a long time. It, it did take a long time. And I think having that time, I don't know. It just was like, why did I, why did I stop doing this? Yeah. Like, why, why yeah. have I taken such a beat? But you're right. Life gets in the uh. way. A full-time job takes up a lot of your time. And then, yeah, from then on, I was like, I just, I, I'm always going to be working on something, I think, just for myself. Well, you know, I was just actually talking about this with somebody yesterday where um, that I've in the past like had a certain piece of art that I thought I should do this because I know it'll sell and it's an appealing thing. And for some reason, I just didn't sit down and do it. It took months or maybe a year and I finally did it and then it did sell well. And then I thought, why didn't I just do this earlier? But I had to like come to realize, you know, not beat myself up, but come to realize like for whatever reason, you just weren't doing it then. You just wasn't right. the right time. Right. And maybe if you'd pushed yourself and just done it it wouldn't have been as good your heart right right like you have to be easier on yourself and be like well I wasn't ready to do it yeah no I think needed that break for whatever reason I think that's a really good point I think that equates to life too you know like 
maybe you should have bought a house, you know, five years ago when the economy was great and, right. you know, but, but you were ready now. So it happened. Now. Yeah. And you I were think, that yeah. person and you can't beat yourself up for what that person was. I, I, I fully agree. What is, so that sentence that you stitched on it, what is, what does that sentence mean? That I use the knife to. It's, it's really, um, it's a part of a greater paragraph I, I guess for like just a writing I did just you know oh. angsty college oh, it's turmoil yeah just it's like a piece of your journal yeah yeah who knows what was going on back then <laughs> that's beautiful I love I didn't realize that you had done some kind of writing and then autobiographical oh. work of your writings I guess you know I don't really think of it that way but yeah that's that is what it is yeah yeah <laughs> how how big was that piece it is three feet by four feet okay do yeah. you still have it or I it do somewhere? it is in the studio just to I feel like it, it creeps people out more than anything yeah. they're like hey what does that mean I'm like no no, no I don't have a brother if that makes you feel any you better don't even have a brother. no no it's just it's, it's imaginary it's a story if you had a brother I imagine he would feel pretty creeped out by it oh for sure right. yeah I think that's why I felt I could take liberties <laughs> okay so that piece you worked on and that kind of like broke something free for you and yeah. then did you start a lot of your work is um incorporates photography and specifically portraits and I know you have a nice camera and you take a lot of the portraits yourself. Yeah. Is that kind of when you started doing these, your own projects with it? I think so. I, um, I did before COVID, I did put together, um, a solo show of portraits that I'd done and then embellished, like I embellished the subject during the actual like photo shoot. And then again, uh. when the image gets printed out on whatever substrate, like stitching back into it. Um, so I did, I did a show of portraits in 2018. I think it's it was like a constant theme and a constant substrate, but I, I felt like maybe they were really personal, you know, like they were important to me because these people I knew, but then, yeah, I felt it was just like maybe a little too, yeah, just personal, I think, you and know, know and you, you reached out to people and you had in mind a specific photo shoot. That's right. Yeah. Them. Cause I remember, was that the period where we sat down with Rachel Flora and you made her put cake and frosting That's all over right. her face. I would like to say for the air though that she was uh, in full consent of that and it was it, I would it was dare so even say that it seemed like she enjoyed it. <laughs> and then, so she had frosting all over and then the embellishment you did on it was sort of this thick whipped paint that was right. like extra frosting. Right to like further enhance yeah exactly. How did you decide like when you would pick out specific people in your life and have this vision of a photo shoot how was it just wild random weird ideas you were having or? I think so and then also what I thought each person would be willing to do I mean sometimes I was wrong but more often than not people yeah would be like okay yeah sounds yeah, good it's for an art project yeah people I think do, so people do anything I was gonna say that's true I, I'm probably on the tamer side of <laughs> what people were willing yeah, to do yeah who knows what you're gonna do after this that's, talk right <laughs> yeah get some ideas cooking how do you so on your pieces you know you have your photo that you do yourself which I love it's like you know the, whole, the entire art piece is yours um and then you're embellishing it with paint and with beading and other materials do you have like a sketch or a design or a plan before you start working on the photo or are you just freewheeling it usually usually freewheeling it unless it's more of I think really when the pressure gets put on is when it's for someone that I already know pretty well I feel like it's a lot easier like when it's a gift or a commission for someone um, I'm working on one right now for a family that I know and I feel like the pressure is really on because I kind of know them and their sense and their taste so it's got to fit like a very specific narrative okay but otherwise when I do it yeah it is just and I think the beauty of it too is that with like the portraits or just photos I would take I'd often embellish them several times so like maybe I'll print that photo out six times yeah in the span of a couple months and then each 
embellished work like has a different tone a different feeling different colors you know so it's nice to be able to rework my image you know I mean to death really yeah that's the amazing thing about that it's photography right I yeah. love and that you just referenced it being a story it's cool yeah so you're yeah the mood and the vibe and the different materials and everything right. with each one I, I did want to ask you so yes yeah, some of your work is you take commissions from people and then it wouldn't necessarily be a photo you took they might give you some old photo that's right and yeah. ask you to work on it how do you, when somebody books you for a commission like mm -hmm. that do you have to come up with a plan like will they ask you for a plan of what you're doing or are they just do they give you kind of a tone that they want I feel like I feel like for the most part with commissions just for people I, I have a lot of freedom which is is nice because I think then I can just kind of look at this photo of people I don't know which is nice and like impart the tone that I feel it should have or that it says you know um, but I feel like really when they want to plan and an idea is working with like commercial kind of like uh, we want to put okay. these pieces in a restaurant like we want to that's when mock-ups and sketches uh, and yeah. that sort of thing comes in it's but look, be very directed exactly yeah whereas I feel like at least so far for personal commissions it's just sort of maybe there's like a little thing like you know like yeah maybe no hot pink you know what I mean but <laughs> yeah. but usually it's just sort of like yeah like we like what you do you do what you feel and I love so that. far that's worked out knock on knock on wood <laughs> it seems like a photo would be a very difficult substrate to pierce through with a needle oh like a print it like a paper yeah, like photo, that, that yeah, thick paper. It, uh, you've chosen a, a, a physically dangerous. difficult thing for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely a game of risk and reward. I mean, it is delicate. You have to be careful with your attention. But really, I think what's worked for me is piercing the photo from the top. So you're not blindly making holes. You're planning. Okay, this next stitch will go here. That'll go here. Yeah. And obviously, once you do that, it doesn't heal like a canvas does. So you've, got you've that made hole. that hole. You're married for life. So. <laughs> <laughs> got to be got to be careful got to be choosy <laughs> do you I'm curious about um the materials that you use has it over time has it changed like have you learned and grown and you have certain tricks you use with the needle and not injuring your fingers in the process or uh, what are your little tricks <laughs> oh your little oh, band-aid yeah well no I'm just saying I haven't I, I don't injure myself any less that's for sure okay. um but I mean it's definitely it's easier on canvas um I, and I think you can get more textural. Like, the substrate, obviously, is more durable than, like you're saying, a photograph. Um, so I think, yeah, just figuring out, like, more so what each substrate can handle, the direction it's going to go. If I want something to be really, like, totally crusted in plastic objects, then it, it's, it's probably got to be a canvas or a okay. panel or something. It can hold more. Exactly. Or using that interfacing material. If you want to do a photo, like, on photo paper, you're going to be a little bit more limited. Do you... Um do you, do you do you have a thimble that you work with? I don't, but maybe I'm I should. I'm really married to this. <laughs> it's all, I, I, just, I feel like when I was a small child and my mom taught me just how to like sew a button on. I feel like a thimble was a thing that always came in a little sewing kit. Oh yeah, and they're like, so beautiful, and especially like the metal <laughs> ones. But I, I maybe I should honestly. Um, but at this point, I feel like they're just uh, they're just here for whatever I throw at them. <laughs> do you have to? Some of the beads are tiny. Do you have to have one of those? Uh, you work with like a headlamp like mm. jewelers do a magnifying thing that is a great idea um not currently but i feel like in the next couple of years we're probably headed that way you're young you've got those young fresh eyes i mean they're going <laughs> <laughs> um and at some point you started incorporating plastic bags into your work how did that come about i i really love um just the iridescence that you can find in like wrappers and plastic bags there's a lot of beautiful trash out there I guess a yeah. lot of um, a lot of great colors and I think just anything to 
I mean, I hope that people look at what I do and they can immediately recognize the texture, even if they don't understand, like, oh, this is hand bead embroidered, you know, that they just immediately, like, wow, like, these are, like, I can at least see, like, three different materials. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think the the plastic bags and the wrappers lend themselves to achieving them. That's cool. I hadn't even thought. I just sort of think about, like, the crinkliness of them and the different material, and I hadn't thought about the shininess, which yeah. I love that you pointed that out. Yeah. So you're kind of like a crow. You're oh, into shiny. that's... That's really romantic, Tamara. I'll take it. I, I think <laughs> that, I'm like, there's just a lot of trash. They I love mean, shiny so treasures. I was thinking more of a raccoon, but crows are way more beautiful, oh. way more dignified, I think. So I'll take, I, yeah, a crow it is. <laughs> um, you've had a lot of uh, features in, uh, like, in zines? Is that yeah, design? right. Zines yeah. and magazines? How, how have those come about? Does it kind of snowballed? Like, the first one found you? And I wrote down a few of the ones. Sure. You've been in Candy Floss, Photo Trouvé, Under the Bridge. You've been in a lot yeah. of different publications. Well, most of them are um, application processes, which I know you are very familiar with. Um, sometimes you hear back, sometimes you don't. Oh, okay. um, yeah. But yeah, I was fortunate enough. So Candy Floss actually isn't in publication anymore, but uh, Shelby McFadden, who is a multifaceted artist and writing a young adult fiction book right now, Ooh. came about with that. And she actually reached out for another magazine that she was a part of called Picture, but it's spelled like P-I-K-C-H-U-R. Okay. Also not around anymore. <laughs> But I think that was really validating, too, because I made those those three masquerade masks and had my friend model them. And I think they were just on my social media. And she reached out and was like, look, like, you know, we'd love to give you a feature. And I, I mean, honestly, I thought it was spam at first. I was uh, like, this is fake. Like, you know, I'd love to buy artwork for my wife and right, our anniversary, exactly. you know. I will um, send you much money. Yeah, check. Yeah, check. Yeah. But, um, but it turned out she was a real deal. And um, that was really validating as I think it always is that other people respond to what you're doing or see value in it. Yeah. And so. the idea, I mean, if she, she found you on Instagram, right. just through tagging, right. it's nice to like, you do all this work and you put it out there. So it's nice for every so often. Something yeah. Actually, to see a return. Yeah. Like a new person comes mm. across your work. Yeah. It absolutely. is a lot. Yeah. Like what you said about that, a lot of these things are application based. And right. I feel like for, you know, young up and coming artists, you got to get used to applying for things and like, just put just it out not there. Not to get there's a lot of rejections and don't yeah. feel discouraged and even people who are actively working and professional are getting rejected from stuff. I get rejected from stuff all the time. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's, that's what really changed is her reaching out was like, you know what? I am going to put it out there more. Cause yeah. What's the worst thing? Yeah. Somebody says, no, you feel a little bruised, but like you move on because for this person that said no, somebody somewhere else might say somebody yes. Else said yes. Yeah. I mean, I've tried several times to get into create magazine haven't made it yet new american painting that's a big one yes you know and i i that feel is, like that's everybody's white whale right? oh yeah i mean i feel like when you do if it happens sometime before Finally, my death yes. you're gonna feel such relief and joy well you, you know, know a couple months ago i talked to our friend angela burson who we love, and we talked about new american paintings because she had been in it yes. recently and i told her that i had applied to it a bunch of times and always got rejected and stopped applying and she said she'd applied a bunch of times and got rejected and finally got in and she encouraged me to keep going so i'm going to tell you that that oh. angela burson who we love yeah so and idolize right that's always very cool so to hear that you really never know artists that you respond to have struggled in the same ways yes that you are you're just like oh like not that it's you don't want your friends to struggle but no, it's like oh but, like we are doing this together and yeah and you, you know? see them getting into something and that's all that you've seen but you haven't right. seen that maybe for yeah. years she applied for it maybe it took that 60 dollar fee a hundred times <laughs> did you i did see in your in your cv that you had there was some sort of feature you had on new american paintings was that like on instagram it yes like? yes which was 
Oh my god, it was actually that piece I told you about from 2020, and they did um, the I forget knife cutting. That's okay. right, yeah. So they did something. I forget what exactly they called it because it was 2020, but it was like, like show us what you're working on, essentially, like post it oh, to your stories, got it, and tag New American Painting, and it was so. I think it was a great thing that they did because I feel like it united us all in our individual homes. And I think a lot of creative people were taking that time to like yes. explore and think about how they felt. So yeah, that was absolutely. So they like reposted you on their yes, story. Yeah, yeah. That was the biggest thing. I that's think incredible. that's, it's nice that you bring that up. Cause I, I was recently rejected from the South issue. So, <laughs> so I'll just, you know what? I'll hold on to that Instagram feature and you're right. You're right. That's, it's on your studio, yeah. which I love. It's there. Yeah, it, You've got it, it was a big deal at the time. <laughs> no, I would be excited too. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to even apply for whatever the most recent. Isn't oh, it once yeah. a year you can apply for your region? Right, for your so region, yeah. Let's every year, Cameron, let's check in with each other and see. If we have the $60 to do it. Which email we've gotten from them. <laughs> do it at the same time thing. with um, some kind of, you know, beverage. <laughs> whether it's good or bad, you know. <sighs> Um, let's see. <laughs> uh, you had a show. Let's see. There was this shop on Bull Street. What was it called? The Rat? You had a oh, very yes. cool show. Was, it, was this like right before COVID as well? You had a really cool show. You had a bunch of art on the walls and then you had a bin of things that people could flip through. That's right. Yeah. You're very good about um, doing small pieces that are matted and people can just buy and put into a frame I bought one of yours too and I know during COVID you did like like all of us were doing these like Instagram sales oh, where you're yeah. posting a bunch of things and people right. just reply and you and you snag know, buy it. stuff yeah yeah was that that show that you put on for yourself right and that rat was that sort of your first show that you where you like you hung everything and you did it and yeah so that, that was like my first solo show I actually yeah. I did not hang it myself oh, okay. um Ava Pandini who also oversees the Whitaker Street windows at Starland Yard um, was the the curator behind that and installed everything. That was a great space also. Yes. Yeah, the route was terrific. But, um, but yeah, so they hosted a, an opening for me, and then things were up on consignment. Um, okay. So, yeah, that was my first solo show, and yeah. I, I think that was 2018. So I had also just started at ShopScad. So it was, yeah, it was a lot... It looks, but you had a lot of work. It was beautiful. I, that, thank you. That means a lot. It was, um, it was a labor of love for sure, but I think it was also, like you're saying, it was a real uphill battle at that time to make work working full time and like being pretty recently graduated. So I feel like, yeah, it was definitely a climb. Yeah. 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 That was, uh, it's like, that was when you first started working. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. I feel like in the fall, maybe I had the show went and I started working for the shop like in January. So yeah, like September, I think is, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So you probably you had to do a lot of work to get that up, and then maybe you're like, ah, now you're exhausted, and you need to, like, take a real break yeah, after that. Yeah, maybe. And then, yeah. yeah, we got a very big break in a couple of years <laughs> that nobody anticipated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I have tons more I want to talk to you about. I'm very excited. We're going to take a short station break now. Again, everyone, I'm here with Cameron Sharon, amazing local fibers artist who does hand beading on photos and other materials, and we will be back. Listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Trees are one of Chatham County's most treasured natural resources. Beyond their beauty and cultural significance, the impact of trees are far reaching and compounding, spanning from economic benefits to health improvements to climate change resilience. 
trees are woven into every aspect of our lives. Savannah Tree Foundation protects and grows Chatham County's urban forest through tree planting, community engagement, and advocacy. More information is available at savannatree.org. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at brighterdayfoods.com. What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming. And it doesn't just mean that we're a voice for the community. It also means that we're counting on the community to keep us going. And you are the community. Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community-focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go to WRUU.org right now and make a one-time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's community radio station, 107.5 FM. Hey everyone, welcome back to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey and I'm sitting with Fibers artist Cameron Sharon. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, so Cameron and her fiance recently bought a house, which is yes. very exciting. And now you have multiple rooms and so you have a dedicated <laughs> space for your art studio. So I want to talk to you about that. That's yeah. amazing. Um, yeah, we, um, in September of last year, we bought a um, 1967 brick ranch after a lot of toiling and a lot of dead end searching it felt like yeah, so and moving um, apartments every year for a couple that's, years that's correct so yeah that's where we are now in like the Windsor Forest area and yeah I do I have a room filled with beads and plastic bags and Barbie shoes and all kinds of stuff oh, you're, are you a very organized person do you have tons of bins I do have a lot Shelves. of bins I don't know that that would make me organized okay <laughs> I feel like beads go very quickly from being like one color one strand to just you know this box is yellowish you know like it's all the yellow beads so I try to be it's not a huge room by any means so I, yeah. I do try to keep some level of floor space accessible. but it makes a big difference to be able to keep your things out to work on all the time absolutely yeah just not working on the kitchen table and having yeah, to and pick having it, to it up it out. every day yeah. yeah I feel like when I am um, if I'm talking to people at a craft show or a gallery or something and they're like you know marveling at your art and they're saying oh I wish I could be creative and I always think like well you, you know you need a lot of time and you need a lot of space for it because if every time you sat down to do art you had to like set up your stuff then it's really daunting and you're not going to do it as often as if the barrier for entry is like literally you just sit down and work on it right so, absolutely yeah. yeah accessibility I think is a huge point of yeah. motivation really you're right if it's not accessible it's harder to feel motivated and yeah you kind of if you just have a spare half hour you can go to your exactly to your studio retreat your stuff yes <laughs> um the way they always said at scad that was like they had posters up all over the building saying go to your studio and make your stuff which i love oh <laughs> like that's just wonderful stop yeah stop, yeah stop wasting your time go do your stuff yeah um how how has it been getting into a workflow of like what is your day like how do you organize it yeah, so uh, I currently nanny part-time for an awesome two-year-old little boy. He's really great. Um, but when I'm not with him, I 
yeah, I have full studio days. I try to, I feel like I read a long time ago, like do the your hardest task first okay. in the day. So when you start, whether it's like an email or like a contract or, you know, like, The I thing that you're like dreading Basically, doing. for the day, yeah. So yeah. I usually try to start with that. And I, I think this year has been really wonderful. The end of last year for me at least felt like a marathon in terms of like projects and life and it, this year feels like a, a nice soft re-entry. Interesting, yeah. So You're regrouping. Yes, and it's been really nice to kind of revisit things that I didn't quite get to last year or okay. look for new opportunities, new connections. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like maybe in, in professional art careers, it's, it's, it's like these waves. You're one or the other. You're like either in the midst of doing all these shows and projects that you've taken the time to build up for yourself, and then those end, and then you have a phase where you have to like hunt and gather and scratch and collect up <laughs> scratch, new projects absolutely. for yourself yeah, yeah. like a chicken scratching yes, the ground exactly that's when finding projects <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> so one one project you did that was it's called the Whitaker Street window installation is right, that right? right so locals are going to know this as that vertical like glass column right outside Starlin Yard that's right yeah. how did you get that project so um the woman actually who curated my Rat and Bull show Ava Pandini. I feel like I'm butchering her last name. She's wonderful. Um, but she's actually the one who oversees that project in collaboration with Creature Comforts, the uh, brewing company okay. um, at Starland Yard. And she had reached out to see if I'd be interested, which was phenomenal. Also with Amanda Sutton, who is the representative for Creature Comforts. Um, and they give you a stipend basically to have those massive like 75 foot by 90 foot panels printed because wow. they're printed on vinyl. So I did that with an image. It's like this decadent party scene, like hands reaching for cupcakes and sprinkles and popcorn. And yeah, printed it on vinyl, painted on it, stitched beads into it, and then they string them up for you. This is one huge vinyl piece. Well, so it's actually, it's the windows are split. Okay. Because um, that's their office in there in those shipping containers. Wow. Which is fast. There's did a spiral staircase. Yes. it's A spiral inside. staircase? It's like a lighthouse in there. Yeah. The inside is wild. So it's actually, it's three separate panels and each window is different dimensions oh interesting so yeah yeah okay <laughs> it's complicated huge photoshop files so you came up with this idea of the the party scene and yeah. what was the photo shoot like for that um so my friends um katie and Brittany helped orchestrate that with me and i i don't i wish i knew i feel like just trying to think about something that was like universal and joyous and I thought yeah. about text for a while like maybe it would read something but anyways we decided on this decadent party scene and my friend Brittany Reedy actually came over with um poppable like microwavable blue popcorn blue popcorn yeah it's blue I don't know Never heard of that. how food safe that is but <laughs> but yeah so we pop some blue popcorn there's like you know stars and sequins and cake stands and yeah I just took these these photos of this wild tablescape and uh, yeah one from there how um, how long did you have to do the full project, the photo shoot, and then getting these printed, and then doing all the beading on these panels? Man, I wish I remember. I do feel like it was tight. Okay. Because it went up at the end of January. It's up for quite a long time. Um, I mean, maybe a couple weeks. Okay. But I think typically you get the panels printed and then they just kind of go up. But I wanted right. to add. But your whole art is adding right. to that. Yeah. Oh my and gosh. so I wanted to add to the pieces so you were working morning till night just beating away pretty much in yeah studio. in January of last year two years ago okay. yeah do you have a, do you have a bunch of photos of it of the 
Oh yeah, yeah of the okay. of them up. Yeah, it's, like at night and during the day, it looks different. Yeah, it definitely did. I feel like nighttime was was the prime, just based on how the windows are lit and everything. So, yeah, it really yeah, came alive. I tried to document it whenever I could. Where are these panels hanging now? So they are rolled actually okay. in my studio, okay. waiting waiting to have new life in part. Is your house big enough that you can hang them somewhere uh, in your house? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> you were just talking about needing wall art. So. Yeah, no, true. And I, I thought it would be cool to stretch them eventually, but oh yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. How, how did you feel about working so large like that? Were you having to like, were they on the floor and you're having to like crawl around on them? Basically, on as, them. as charming as that sounds. Yeah, that's exactly how that, it happened. I can imagine, I mean, the idea of like, like when I work on something this big, this painting, you're just on one side of it, but you're like pushing a needle and thread back and forth through the that's, front and the back. That's that seems right. very hard to do with a large object. It, it was, and I think for that reason, and the time constraints, I think it could have been more beat embellished, but you're right. Like, yeah, it's, it was a lot easier, obviously, to get to the edges or the corners right. of things versus like the it. dead center of the 75 foot. Yeah, it's yeah, incredible just thinking about physically how to do it. Yeah. It's almost like you need another person on the other side of it to pass the needle through. Yeah, to, exactly. To yeah. It's it. a team sport at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you've had a couple of, through your Instagram, I learned, um, you, it looks like you had a, a group show in Atlanta in 2021, and then yeah. you had a solo show at a different gallery in 2022. Yeah. How did this come about? That's cool. Yeah. Atlanta. So Atlanta is wonderful. I think now that I've learned to drive there and back, I feel like... I've traversed another planet, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think really Atlanta, I think I have to give credit to my um, friend and curator, Lynn Tanzer. Um, she's phenomenal, just such a patron of the arts and female artists. Um, she reached out about her show, Multitudes. Um, I think that's the one in, in 2021 um, that was held at Free Market Gallery. And basically... Her, you know, curator's statement about the show was just how women contain these multitudes and the multitudes of getting through the pandemic and just the way we exist in life with so many facets and yeah. identities and all the tasks that people that fell to it, women and mothers. Especially. Absolutely, yeah, and you know, it, women, mother, artists. On top of that, you yeah. know, it's just it's a lot of um, it's a lot of hats. And yeah, that was a terrific group show of women. And um, yeah, from there, just making connections and. My solo show is at a place called Empire Arts Gallery, which is a tattoo shop, boutique, and art gallery oh, okay. that's woman-owned and operated. Um, so that's a terrific space as well. They do um, artist features every month in their gallery space where you can sell work and there's an opening and a closing. Oh, that's wonderful. So, yeah, just meeting a, a lot of awesome women in Atlanta, you know, that are really passionate about the arts and supporting each other. So that solo show did that... Did, did they see you at that first group show or did you approach them? How did that come about? Yeah, so I did. I met, so one of the women that was in the Multitude show is a tattoo apprentice at this, at Empire Arts. And one of the owners was like, oh, you know, we love what you're doing. We'd love to to do a show with you. And I, I feel like as an artist, you'll probably know this. When people say that, I kind of, you know, like I don't hold my breath, you know? As yeah. Creative people were busy and that's that's a nice thing to say. Right. But like let's see if it comes a lot to of pass. possibilities are thrown out and yeah, right. you learn unfortunately pretty quickly that you can't get super emotionally attached early on. Exactly, yeah. Without, you know, just being devastated if it doesn't. But sure enough it came yes. to pass and they were terrific and a lot of promotion and it's just a wonderful space to be in and yeah. I mean a tattoo shop, gallery, boutique, I mean it's just 
It's everything. Yeah, it everything place. you can want. <laughs> Did you get a tattoo while you were there in your show? No, but okay. I need to. I need to. I, I love, I always make a point to visit when I go up there and, and to shop from their boutique. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of, like a shop scad basically, but oh, great. just local artists making all kinds of things. What did you think about, so now you've you've had a couple of group shows and like openings in Savannah and also Atlanta. How, what, what do you think about comparatively the cities? I think... I think Atlanta obviously is much bigger, so I think working on a following maybe a little bit more there. Um, but yeah. it's a totally different energy, and yeah. I mean, so much public art in Atlanta, so many huge murals, and it's just two totally different animals that I adore oh equally. <laughs> I suddenly got this vision of you doing a mural and using like a hot glue gun to like glue enormous beads on your mural. That would be. That would be wild and fascinating. I'm not. I'm not opposed to it at right? all. Right? Have you ever worked in hot glue gun before? Is oh, that a thing? I have. I think the longevity of the hot glue gun turns me off a oh, little okay, bit. You okay. know, it's not Whereas, a permanent. Right? You stitch it, and unless you're just really cruel to a piece, they're not going to go anywhere. And also, the backside is so it's its own piece. Yeah. Seeing yeah. all the all the threads lines, everywhere. Right. Of like where the needle travels from here to there to place another bead. So, yeah. You know, I was just thinking as you said that that you were talking about that in school one of your first projects that you did beating on was like the assignment to beat a map right and then I thought if you just did any piece and you turned it over then it does look like a map it looks like yeah following like roads or routes or when you look at like an airline map and it's crisscrossing the country yeah that's probably yeah I think it's it gets fascinating yeah it gets chaotic quickly <laughs> yeah <laughs> is there any okay so as a person who's now that we're speaking of this is there any benefit to keeping the back tidy and thinking about the placement of things or does it not matter at all like it, does that come back to bite you at some point in the piece if the back is too crazy you know kind of so if you go really far distances right like if it, you got a, a square canvas and you want to travel from one corner to the other you're gonna have a really long stretch in the back you could get caught on yeah as you're stitching back into it so maybe thinking about your distance like stitching in an area versus yeah. like just going totally all tying over it off. things yeah so maybe in that way you're probably, so you working with thread, you're basically like a surgeon where you're just really good at tying things off and literally threading the needles. I love it. I'm going to tell a doctor that next time. <laughs> what I, have we I'm come up with so far for you? Too. You're like a crow. <laughs> a crow and a, a surgeon. <laughs> mm, I don't I feel know. like this is your new bio. Which one's paid better? <laughs> <laughs> the, the crow. Mm. Um, Excellent. <laughs> can you... Um, can you fix mistakes on a piece when you work with needle? I know you talked about with a photo that once you've like pierced it, right. you can't really fix the hole. So yeah. What like, do you do? Have you ever like, say you're working on a commission for somebody and you place something and it's weird. What do you do? I mean, I, I do spend a lot of time cutting out beads for sure. Like basically you just have to cut the stitch. And I mean, like you're saying with paper, you obviously need to be a little bit more calculated to cover those holes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I guess you could time. put some thick paint on it. You could put thick paint on it. You could use some wax crayon to kind of like plug the holes. You oh, could, that's fascinating. Yeah, kind of maybe use some paper at that point. Like we're talking about wrappers or plastic bags. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. I do often cut things out if they don't feel right or sit right or. Yeah. Yeah, you could like yeah. you could heal a hole in the paper by just putting on. You could patch it. Like you, put some you more could paper patch on it. it. Yeah, but obviously it's. I a, love that. It's not as forgiving of a material, so you gotta gotta be gentle. It's very interesting. <laughs> when I used to, I work on canvas a lot now, but I used to just work on paper, and it, you know, it's like thickish watercolor paper. Right. And if you make a mistake, you can kind of, you can use an exacto knife and like very very delicately oh. scratch off just the top layer of paper, and then keep working into it. But yeah, you can't. 
You can't go down forever. You're going to make a hole in that paper. Right. That, that sounds more like surgery than a needle yeah. to me. I loved doing that. I think it's so fascinating. You're like just tiny. Scratch, right, like scratch, scratch. To getting literally something. like little fibers of the paper off. Couldn't be me. Right. Not delicate enough for that. <laughs> do you, I did want to ask, um, so a lot of your work that you do for yourself is a portraiture is your real, like your love that you start with. Right. How, what is that, what does it mean to you, the portraiture? I don't, you know, I wish I knew how it started. Yeah. I wish I did. I mean, I've always enjoyed photography. I did take a couple photo classes during my time at SCAD. Um, I don't know. I think just capturing like candid moments, I feel like, which is sort of ironic because all the photos shoots are orchestrated, I guess. But, um, well, it's like you, know. you know, you orchestrated like the mise-en-scene or whatever, and right, then, right. but then people are going to do their action of whatever that, the, like that Rachel with that, I sat in on that photo shoot where Rachel was yeah. putting the cake all over her right. face. She was just doing, doing her thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that part is really interesting. Like how I have an idea, but people impart their own tones to it. Like I had a vision for like a, a clown and you know, I, I didn't really think much further than that. But when I had the subject come in, he was actually like kind of somber and very sad, like kind of oh. like a Pagliacci type of like happy, sad, like the Italian yeah. kind of clown vibe, you know, and I, I didn't anticipate that. So yeah, I mean, I think there's also something really fascinating about even if I get the same person, like I get Rachel again and we get a cake again. Yeah. You know, she's in a different place in time. Right. You know, we're not going to get the light exactly the same. There's no way. I mean, we could try to recreate the photo, but it's never going to be exactly the same. Like those, yeah. This is kind of like with your art, it's like even before you get into the art that you're doing with the beading and the painting and the materials on it, you're like, it's sort of like you, you're creating, it's like you're a movie director, but then people are improving, you know? Yeah. Like yeah, you give them a little scene and then you're just letting them improv. And then exactly. at the end you're sort of like, but then at the end you kind of are creating your own story out of it. Like you said, the right. colors and the textures, you're, you're like the final storyteller. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like, like the doing end. the final edit, stitching the movie together. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Director's cut. How come you haven't done it with photos of yourself? Ooh, I've done a couple, a yeah. lot more sparingly than other people. I think my, I did one in 2018 for that painted people show. Okay. The red haired one was me. Um, that Jason James and his wife actually own. Um, did you take that photo yourself or did someone else do it? Someone else took it. Okay. Um, and then in 2021 for that group show, the first group show in Atlanta, um, the figure with like the red mesh bag on the face on it also me. It was you? Yeah. So. How did it feel like to be the one having to suddenly do the improv and the motion? I think better because I think I feel like, I, I arguably do some maybe weird things with other people, but I think I saved the weirdest for me a really? little bit yeah or maybe like not necessarily glamorous I don't know okay but yeah but I really I I enjoyed that piece and I I don't know not because it's me but I don't know why actually it, so you could be going in kind of like a Cindy Sherman direction yeah. in the future adore Cindy Sherman wow yeah I didn't know about her until being in fibers actually and one of my friends was like oh yeah do you know about her and I was like no I, ha I haven't encountered and they're like you need to study I love up this for quick. you yeah yeah and she's what a marvel. Wow. Um, I did want to ask, uh, how, how was it, so when you're either doing commissions for people or when you're having these shows and you're having to price your work, I feel like um, when people work in fibers, like any kind of quilting or something that, it takes a lot of time. It's right. a little different time-wise than paintings. How has it been for you figuring out pricing for your work based on how long a piece has taken? It's, it's definitely not something that's super straightforward. I feel, honestly, I could probably be technically better at it. Like, it could be more of a structure. 
but I try to think more, maybe this is a little too emotional of an answer, but I try to think more about what the, the value of the piece is to me mm. versus, I mean, and not like outrageous, right? Like it's worth 20,000 to me, but more about the, the objects that are in it and like the feeling of the statement. And I think as complicated as that is, some pieces are worth more to us than others. I mean, obviously, there's a general, like, okay, the size is kind of going to be in here. Right. But, yeah, still things that are more valuable to me, I, I price that way. That's interesting. I mean, yeah. that is definitely a very emotional way to go about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm probably yeah. not not great. I mean, but in the counter to that is that I, I want to be accessible to people that just enjoy art and yeah. like to collect things, and not everyone has tens of thousands of dollars to put into something so I try to there's a real duality I think (laughs) probably for most creatives you know wanting to be valued for your time and effort but also wanting it to go to people who are going to appreciate it that's that's the most important thing yeah I mean it means a lot if you know like when I sell you know a $30 print to like a college student or something it means a lot because they could be spending that money on you know groceries or laundry if they go to a quarter what do college kids buy yeah (laughs) what do they value you know, I, I have a much more responsible college student <laughs> in my mind's eye, I guess. Laundry, groceries. I was Tamara was a maybe we had different priorities in college. <laughs> um, I did kinda wanna touch on so we, we mentioned that back during COVID when I feel like everybody was doing this. You were people were coming up with a batch of art and just doing a bunch of Instagram stories and selling right. things like that. Did you enjoy doing that? Like kind of churning out a little batch of art and then doing a sale and like doing a little quick sale like that do you like working like that I think so I think it's also I really enjoy doing those mystery bag sales that I do which basically I think is for like the indecisive person like basically I just take little samples that I've been working on and map them and wrap them in like a present you know and then basically people just pick which present they like the look of the best from the outside. Oh, okay. So they're literally um, getting a tiny mystery art. Exactly, to it's a total surprise. So the only choice you make is like, oh, I like the blue paper, or I want this one with the pink bow. Interesting. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's it's fun. I think my expectations over the years have changed. I feel like I I'm really just wrapping them for myself. So like, <laughs> if any sell, that's that's an added bonus. Um, but yeah, I think it's a cool way to interact, and again, keeping that accessibility and price point. Like yeah. they're usually no more than like $50 so it's okay. it's a lot more achievable I think for for everyone I hope you know do you um, like to do do you have a batch of maybe like five by seven pieces and you have them all out and you do an assembly line and you like to like working on them all at the same time juggling them is that how you work I feel like lately I'm trying to because I think it's just important to like stay in the swing of it like drawing every day like I try to try to beat a little bit every day and then eventually yeah I've collected all these things and I'm like what do I do with them? Yeah. So then they, they become mystery bags. <laughs> you do a great job. I mean, I'm going to obviously put in the liner notes this link to your website and to your Instagram, but your Instagram is beautiful where each you're just creating, even it's just, it's always just like a little look down at a corner of what you're doing and then a corner of like the mess on your oh, yeah. desk. And they all are, I mean, just your square photos are like a work of art. I feel like you're really good at just creating like a beautiful scene of objects thrown together and like a, oh. like you could, a tablescape almost well that means a lot um so the idea yeah, yeah I love that you, you you like wrapping up your mystery piece and you yeah. enjoy doing it and the colors and everything yeah I think yeah it just it, I think it all always goes back to texture and I I really I mean I know <clears throat> the pros and cons of social media but I really I've always liked to like journal and sketch and like craft like books of what I'm thinking about so I feel like I, I see social media the same way it's just a digital diary I you know yeah. it's yeah I understand like the benefits and the 
<clears throat> the downfalls, but I'm, I'm really just documenting, like, yeah. for my own sake. Like, this is where I was at this month of this year. Like, this is what I was working on, what yeah. I was thinking about, you know. But each image is beautiful. You either, I mean, I don't know if it takes you a long time to do it or if you just naturally, like, it's so easy and it just comes out and each image is so artful. They're gorgeous. But Thank I remember you, also working with you at ShopScad whenever anybody had a birthday and you'd, like, make a little card for them. Even just the way that you would write somebody's name on the envelope, you would, like, Aww. really go all out and decorate somebody's name. That, yeah, you, just, I, you put a lot of thought of color and texture and effort into literally like writing someone's name on an envelope. Well, that means a lot. I mean, I just really enjoy it. I mean, I don't know. I think that comes from my mom is really good about sending like mail and packages. And yeah. I think she, I don't know what she did, but I feel like birthdays really started with her. Like she was always really passionate about like making us artful cakes and I think we should, we should all just celebrate more no matter what, you know. There's a real, th- there's a huge theme in your art of parties and like like pretty hats and yeah. cakes and glitter and that kind of thing it's kind of like your real I feel like it your work it really distills down into and a lot of the photos you do for commissions for people it's a photo of you know a birthday or a celebration or something yeah I guess I I mean I I don't know how that came to be but I definitely enjoy it and I think that it should be more of a focus I think I think maybe it was sort of my focus senior year of college was just like celebrating like our human aspects, like even the gross parts, like just like embracing the fact that I don't know we're all going through this together. It's messy, it's weird, but yeah, we should we should have fun yeah. and throw a party hat on it. I guess <laughs> I think that's a really. I mean, honestly, those are really common themes to your work that it, they are like literally messy. There's mess, yeah. you know, there's yeah, paint or frosting all over, yep. but it's celebratory. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah, maybe like a good mess though, right? Not I'm thinking like. It's a great like mess. bodily messes right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Well, thank you, Cameron, so much. This has been fabulous. Is there anything at the end that you want to tell anybody to tell people to keep an eye out for you about your work? Um, well, I am... like, like you put it out in the universe and then you have to do it. So, oh, what, whoa, what do you whoa, want? Whoa. What do you want to manifest? Okay, Ooh, that's good. I yeah. hopefully some little things are in the work just for me personally to go on my website. Um, Maybe a collaboration with a cool jewelry company in New York. Oh, hopefully, hopefully we'll fabulous. see about that. Um, but mostly, I want to I want to thank you for for having me. Oh I tell gosh. everyone to follow Tamara if you don't already. <laughs> thank you, Cameron. Yeah, I love you're turning. I'm trying to get people to follow you. So of thank course. you very much for the shout out. Yeah, and congrats again on your home. I'm so excited that you have a dedicated space to work in and decorate and nest and everything. Thank you. Yeah, if only we just had all the time and energy to just solely put into the house just to solely decorate (laughs) (laughs) um well this has been fabulous thank you everybody this has been cameron sharon local fibers extraordinaire thank you thank you i'll I'll take it it's better than surgeon and crow it's a good title (laughs) (laughs) all right take care here's some fun upcoming artistic events in town on Thursday, March 30th at the Jepson Museum, they're having an exhibition preview and artist talk by Duff Woon Yong. Yong is going to share insights on his artistic journey from his upbringing in Singapore to his career as an educator in Savannah to his first solo show at the Telfair. It's called Uki. Uh, the exhibition preview is at 6 p.m. and then there's going to be an artist talk at 6.30 p.m. Um, from March 30th to April 2nd is the Superfine Art Fair in Savannah. This is a four-day art event with local artists, including Joy Dunnigan, who we had on our podcast a few months ago. There's more details and tickets at the Superfine website. Uh, This Saturday, April 1st, from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. in Starland, there's going to be the Spring DeSoto Street Market going on. 
And then I wanted to close out today's show on playing a song called A Shadow in the Light. This is an original Bond themed composed and arranged by Vuk Pavlovic, who's a local musician. Um, this whole song is performed by local musicians. It's Amanda Jeter, Mark Chesenow, and Kelly Adams, as well as Vuk. The lead vocals are performed by Amanda Jeter, and she's having uh, some serious health problems right now. So let's all send her our good vibes. So here is A Shadow in the Light.
Next up on WRUU, that old Savannah magic from 4 to 6 p.m. It's a variety show featuring Savannah history, radio theater, interviews, and music. You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul.